Michael. You're on mute, man. There we go. What's up, handsome? <laughs> What's up, brother? Hold on one sec. Man, just uh, living the dream, bro. It's been good to be back. Had a couple of weeks vacation in the Jersey Shore. Officiated a wedding. Good stuff. All good stuff. How about you? I am back as well. I had what ended up after flight delays being a 23-hour travel day yesterday that started in Amsterdam, took me to Lisbon, and ultimately ended up back here in Brooklyn, New York. So um, I slept more last night than I've had than I have in years, but uh, we're here. We're, we're ready to talk some hoops. We already got some calls in the queue. We're ready to go, man. I, I want to ask, though. What what was the process that you took of getting ordained and what was your what was your officiating style? How how did that how did that go? Um officiating style. I would say well I know the, the two people are my friends, Matt and Nicole. Um I know Matt since around college, so I kinda had an idea of uh, their history together, but I, I did ask, you know, behind the scenes, kind of like, kind of like I would for like a story. Like, so what yeah. happened? What was the, like, uh, what was the courtship here? What did you say on the app? Uh, I kind of like roasted him for his game a little bit. Um, you know, the, Hey, how are you? Pickup line. Uh, I had, I had to flag him for a little bit, but, uh, other than that, you know, his, his fiance, Nicole gave me some, good material they almost didn't even make it to the first date um which i thought was hilarious and i just cracked my jokes on them and uh you know make it a little sentimental in between it's about maybe 20 to 25 minutes we had about a half hour block and uh was out on the water so it was a nice time uh, as far as the process uh, i had a guy that's it you know <laughs> Well, you got a lot of guys around the NBA. For anyone unfamiliar with this man's work, um, you're you're not following the the rumor game quite closely. Uh, Mike does some great stuff at Hoop Type. One one of the people who's whenever a notebook comes out, um, I definitely try not to read it at first because I don't want to. Uh, be influenced by what's already out there but then it just it just it just hits me people start saying oh well scotto had this or it gets aggregated it's all over my feed and then sometimes i gotta do more work because of what you're doing man which is always uh that that that, that means you're doing all the good stuff. so it's, it's an honor to have you especially to talk about your own backyard well, uh, we've got a lot of nicks and nets talk here man no i appreciate it bro i mean you know you sometimes you'd be putting out these notebooks. I think sometimes you would start the notebooks. I forget like when we were kind of doing these things around the same times, but you would start at 1.9. So it's like, all right, you got to try to get this thing out like a little early around eight. Then at one point it got to like (laughs) seven o'clock in the morning. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm calling my, my editors out in Spain because that's where Hoops Hype like originated from. So I'm like, you guys get this up on your time at the crack of dawn. Like, (laughs) You know, it's it was like a it's like a fun little battle at the same time. You know, I think we all could use more sleep, but that's kind of what happens. You know, trade deadline, free agency, all that stuff. You know, happy to talk with you as well, man. You've been doing good stuff as well, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I I definitely figured we'd be talking about my own backyard in, in Brooklyn with uh, with Kevin Durant, 
essentially rescinding his uh, trade request. Yeah, I mean, to, real quick before we actually jump into it, and apologies for the long intro, but we're, we're just we're just two guys catching up. Um, I, I I liked to sleep and like put out because the stories get auto pubbed at seven a.m. So I was like, okay, I don't like to tweet it out until like at least nine, especially like especially if it's, it's like if it's like a West Coast item, because half the country is not awake yet. Right, but the second now that we've gotten to this point, like the second it goes up, like people are already taking it and starting their own blog discussions about it. So I just kind of had to tweet it out at seven. Now it's just the nature of the game. But yeah, I mean, I was sitting on a bench, um, looking out at the North Sea, I believe, in the Dutch countryside, which is exactly what I was hoping to happen when news broke that. Kevin Durant was rescinding his trade request. Um, and I gave a nice little fist pump because there was nothing I had to do about it because I was on vacation. Um, but that being said, it's not something I was totally expecting. I will, I will admit that. Um, you know, I, when he did what he did in, in, in meeting with Joe Sy in London, and basically drawing a line in the sand and saying it's Sean Marks and Steve Nash or me. I mean, a lot of people in the league definitely took that as, as a tactic, right? And, and nothing but that. Um, but to me and from my conversations, it certainly rankled people in Brooklyn as, it, I mean, it's calling for people's heads. Like, that's not a, a, a settling thing, right? And that moment I thought it did two things. I, I thought it did one thing. It like very clearly, I thought, motivate like added fire to Brooklyn's motivations to like hope a deal emerged. But we were talking about this on this show um, with Alex Schiffer. Like, there still needed to be a team that was going to come to the table and bring an offer that was going to impress the Nets and make it worth their while to move him. And that had not been the case from the moment he requested a deal. It wasn't the case when he, you know, rescinded the trade request. I will be candid in saying I don't really know what changed. So, Mike, do you have any? I mean, I, I wasn't making calls about it. Do you have any insight into something that changed other than the fact that it just became abundantly clear there was not going to be a team that brought the offer that Brooklyn was looking for? I mean, first off, and I had kind of written about this one, I'd written like what's next for the Nets after uh, Durant rescinded the trade request, but I really think this all was going to be an uphill battle climbing Mount Everest, essentially, to try to, to acquire Kevin Durant for another team following the Rudy Gobert trade. That completely yes. messed up the market. And it because... Kevin Durant, you know, they already had wanted like a James Harden-esque type of return for him, like what Houston got. Then the fact that Rudy Gobert was traded for all those picks, it, and when you did the comparison, you know, when when the Nets, it was like, well, I mean, Kevin Durant is a lot more talented than Rudy Gobert, all due respect, and uh, they were just like, all right, well, if, if that's the market is for Rudy, then we're going to pretty much get your whole franchise for Kevin Durant if you think you're going to get him. And then, you know, 
there were the four team talks uh, with Phoenix and eight, and you know the Nets were never really in on eight and like that. But you know there was some thought that maybe Utah could get eight in and and have him as part of their uh, rebuild um, and like a sign and trade, but it never came to fruition. And then he signs the offer sheet with Indiana and then uh, Phoenix matches because what else are they going to do? Lose the kid for nothing? Uh, no. So uh, I, I also think that's going to be a situation worth monitoring down the line, not immediately, but, you know, down the line. Um, and, and yeah, just as far as like what chain it's, I think what you got to look out for is, is Kyrie this year, like him coming back and being able to play, is that going to coax the Nets into signing him into an extension at some point? Um, I think that's kind of the big question mark here because the two of them came in together and they talked about wanting to win a championship and, and taking this team to a championship level. And, you know, the, the results have been underwhelming, respectfully, for the both of them. Uh, and last they, year, they, they were the only they team that got swept. Yeah, and I mean, well, I would hope so. Yeah. So to me, I just think that, you know, for Kevin, I, I think the frustration came in with having to play like 40 minutes a night on a dismantled team that was, you know, didn't have guys, you know, Kyrie wasn't, it, it all started going into the last year with the big three. Then it became the big two and a half with Kyrie not getting vaccinated. Um, you know, that irked James Harden among other things. And, you know, then Harden gets moved for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't end up playing for them. And now you come into this year, and it's like, well, on paper, you've got three really good players. You've got shooters and Joe Harris, uh, Seth Curry, and Patty Mills. Um, I just think for them, they've got to continue to upgrade at the front court. You know, I touched on it on Hoopsite. They've looked at uh, a couple of different front court guys, from Tristan Thompson to Markeith Morris. They've had some exploratory conversations there. Uh, we'll see if a deal ends up happening for one of them, if not both. Um, but you know, exploratory conversations at that, at this point, um, cause they need to, they need to improve the, uh, the front court more. I mean, bringing Nick Claxton was a step in that direction, but they've got more to do. Um, and so as far as overall, what changed it, I really think it was a little bit of, uh, kind of like a a default, like, what are you going to do? You can't go to Miami doesn't have enough assets. Phoenix doesn't have the assets They they didn't really have to in the beginning, let alone when Aiton ends up staying and then he can't get traded because of the CBA rules. Um, You know, you look at Boston, Boston with Jalen Brown was the best individual player that the Nets conceivably talked about with, with no, budging from Toronto with Scotty Barnes and with the Pelicans not willing to budge on Brandon Ingram. Um, and, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Zion Williamson uh, stayed there for long term. Uh, and in doing so, you got him and Ingram as kind of the core there and, and, and CJ and, and, and you, and you see what you can do. Um, that, you know, How dare they didn't you think Durant wanted to go there. How anyway. dare you? A Pelicans Twitter joke. Oh, no, I missed. I mean, they were never, well, yeah, like Durant, you know, they didn't think like, you know, Durant would want to go there anyway. If he was disgruntled in Brooklyn, you think like, you know, in New Orleans, he was going to want to be there. You know, that's the other half the battle when you're trading for a guy like that. 
You don't want to trade for a disgruntled star. You want to be like kind of Philly who's trading for a guy in Harden that wants to be there. And, you know, you roll the dice from there. Man, if I was an NBA player and I believed in Pelican's leadership and I believed in Zion and B.I., I just got a phone call. Um, I if I was if I was an All Star caliber NBA player, if I was a Donovan Mitchell or a Kevin Durant who was looking for his next team, New Orleans is my second favorite American city outside of our our hometown, sir. Um, well, I guess your hometown and my current city of residence. Um, I don't understand why. I mean, I do get it. It's a sleepier market in terms of basketball stuff, but. Um, I would think New Orleans can and should have greater superstar appeal. Maybe they will if this era continues to go on the upward trajectory that they seem to be believing in down there. But to to the point, uh, I mean, we said it time and again on the show, whoever the guest was, whether we were answering a question from people, I remember in my very frenzied show, at four o'clock Eastern on the Thursday for agency, right when KD requested the trade and we were figuring it out in real time, but going live anyway, because we're for the people on this program from the jump, the guidelines that I was given and that the Nets were telling other teams was you have to give us everything or you're get or, or nothing like that. And, pretty your, mother. Much and yeah. your mother. And it just, I was skeptical from the get-go it was going to happen. We kept saying it over and over and over again. Overwhelming likelihood is that he's going to be back. I had Lakers fans killing me on Twitter that Kyrie wasn't coming and blah, blah, blah. And as much as this has been a chaotic summer in Brooklyn, I mean, the fact that we are here, I'm really not surprised. I, I do think that winning is going to obviously have to be a super – um, necessary ingredient to try to mend some of these broken fences here. But the best case scenario for Brooklyn this season is still very, very, very high. There's going to be a lot of ifs involved there, right? There's going to, and the biggest if of all is not involving Kevin Durant. It's not involving Kyrie Irving. It's involving, to in my opinion, it's involving Ben Simmons' health and his effectiveness. Um, and ultimately, I mean, that's people I've spoken with are, I mean, as they should be, right? But they're very optimistic about the fit of Ben Simmons with those two guys, especially on the defensive side of things, especially with him running the break, ripping the ball off the rim and, and going in transition and having those two guys on the wings. Like, that is a scary proposition. Um, but I, I am just having been covering the league for almost a decade now, I am still like the first time I go into Barclays Center and the next coming weeks, like I'm I'm gonna be looking for the feel in the arena and the building on like how long is this going to be okay? You know what I mean? Am I wrong to be thinking that way? That this like this was a combustible situation that had a couple of matches held over it and the flame turned into a bonfire this summer. I still feel like the matchbook is very close by and, and it could be, and that's not me. That's not me reporting that a trade request could happen any day now, or it could happen, you know, whatever. But I just, I'm just, my, my, my I've been hurt before Mike 
my, my guard is up. I, I'm not necessarily <laughs> expecting this to be a super harmonious you know, nah. Kevin Durant's next four years are going to be perfect and everyone's going to ride off into the sunset together. Let, let my, you know, I'll say this. There are certainly executives out there that are going to monitor the first 25 games or so and see oh, yeah. where, where the Nets are at. Now, if they come out and, and are 500 or anything less than that, you don't think there's going to be some moaning and, and, and groaning within that, that building? Come on. Like, it's all, winning cures all, I will say that. Now, if the Nets come out and rip off, you know, I don't know, 17 out of 25 games or something, then, you know, everything is harmonious and kumbaya. Um, I, I think certainly, you know, given – I, I would love to know, and I'm sure you've been trying to find this out too, but like what was said behind the scenes in the meeting with Kevin Durant, Rich Kleiman, Sean Mark, Steve Nash, Joe Sy, Clara Wu Sy, like what, what is, how do you, I, I like, I don't think you just go in and be like, you know, I was just kidding. I don't really want you guys to, you know, like. I, that 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 doesn't work like that. Like Joe Sy was the only one who publicly came out and and tweeted. Now we're back in Marks and Nash. You never saw like Durant speak about it. And I already joke with people in Brooklyn that you know if this doesn't get addressed beforehand, either way, I think it's at some point on media day. Like you already know what the questions are going to be. Media day is going to be a shit show. You we're, said it, not me, but yeah. I'm not going to be there. I'm that's Rosh Hashanah. I'll be with my family, but that's. I mean, whether even if they even if every party involved handles it, and, and after this we'll get to we'll get to James, our first caller. And if you want to call in and talk, ask a question, uh, please feel free to do so. Do, do they tell it. you like first time, long time, like on Mike Francesa or like sometimes WFAM? They do. Sometimes that's, they do. Um, that's pretty fun. If you, you want to. Call in. Uh, you got to make an account, um, and if you do make an account, if you do have an account um, already, and you're not uh, following and subscribing to the show, um, you're going to get updates and push notifications whenever we're going live. Um, but unless, even if all the principal actors handle everything with as much grace and candor and you know honesty and humility as they can, the questions are going to be coming, and it's going to be a shit show. And um, I look forward to watching all the highlights uh, from uh, – I remember last year the it was the big storyline was why is David Letterman hanging around, and we came to find out why that happened. Uh, this year <laughs> will be uh, a little bit different. Um, we'll, go, we'll go to our first call from James. James, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? I appreciate you guys uh, hosting this space right now. But um, I just wanted to get to the Knicks. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Um, I mean, for sure. I know. I know. We're just hearing the same old news back and forth. But I mean, why is it now that people are really coming? I mean, Windhorse came out and finally said it, like blatantly, that you know, doesn't matter how much the Jazz are forecasting the rest of the league, the Knicks probably do have the best offer. So, why is it such a stalemate if they do have the best offer? Like, it, it, like Nick fans have been saying this for two months now. So, it's just. Is it just Danny just pressuring the Knicks and he's going to make the move eventually, or do you see this deal not happening? Maybe. Uh, I'll, I'll defer to Mike and then I'll I'll, I'll come in and, and bring up the rear. What do you got, Mister Scotto? 
Sure. I mean, well, first off, anytime deadlines move the needle for anything. So the closer we get to training camp, that's always been a, a thought process around the league is, you know, if you're Utah, this situation um, reminds me a little bit of like when they, when they moved Darren Williams, like they moved Darren ahead of the game to try to get the biggest return for him. And I, I just think at this point, that's kind of what's happening here. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, uh, you see, like Ian Begley was saying, you know, Cleveland pulled out of trade talks for Donovan Mitchell. Um, I don't think they were ever really that in them. But the same, you know, it, it's like at a certain point, you know, up there's, you know, there's these two mystery offers or whatever's out there that, you know, Utah has that they like supposedly instead of the Knicks. It's like, you know, it's it's one of these things where like, uh, you know, uh, one guy likes a girl and a girl likes a guy and and they kind of like ask their other friend, well, does she like me? And and, and does he like me and vice versa? It's like this, this weird courtship. Like it's very obvious that the Knicks have the most assets to get the deal done for what Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz are looking for. Everything they've done to this point has signaled a rebuild. Now you could theoretically take the picks and try to get another star to pair with Donovan Mitchell, but you're not hearing that talk. It's I was just going to say that exact. I have not heard that. Yeah. Everyone, so everyone talked about it. I, have, like, I mean, Jake, I haven't heard them like behind the scenes being like, yeah, actually, we're going to take these picks and we're going to go swing for the fences and get a star somewhere else and replace Rudy Gobert with this guy, this like yes. big guy or this wing guy to pair with Donovan and try to compete. They got the only the name. Picks. The only name that was out there was that they called Cleveland about doing something for Colin Sexton. And that's certainly not. I, a, I have my qualms about that one. I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying that one. About um, them call, I'm about not buying, them. I'm not buying Utah going for Colin Sexton right now. Well, yeah, that, that was, that, that was the one idea I've heard. They actually kicked around about getting someone, but to your point, there's been all this talk about, conceptually Utah Utah could take this bushel of picks and go get someone the jazz. I mean, if the jazz were calling around and trying to go see if they could get, you know, X player here or Y player there to pair Donovan, we would have heard about it. And to your point, have not heard that in the slightest for the last two months. Yeah. I mean, I don't, the whole, just my, my whole thing is like, I think the Knicks are trying not to give up the boatload of picks. Danny yes. wants the boatload of picks. He wants to squeeze them like, uh, like Tropicana oranges, you know, really milk. It. <laughs> I, I, I just, to me, and, and I would, if I'm Danny too, because it's like, you know, if the guy made a deal with the Nets years ago for Pierce and Garnett, then he makes this Rudy Gobert trade. It's like, you know, why would you think any? Why would you think anything less? Like you're not going to get a boatload of picks. And sure, like I, I would, you know, if I'm Danny, I'd love to have all New York's like unprotected picks. The whole R.J. Barrett thing, like, oh, they like him, they don't like him. It's like he's a third overall pick. But my thing is, if you're going to get R.J. Barrett, you better be damn sure that you want him and and to be a focal point and cornerstone of your franchise because he's extension eligible. 
And then he's going to, before you know, it'll be entering free agency soon. So yeah. you got you to gotta like know that you want him to be one of your guys or not. Danny's always had, even when he was in Boston, these boatloads of picks. And then, I don't know, like he had some guys he hit on, you know, obviously like Tatum was a hit, Brown was a hit. Some guys were, you know, cool, like Kelly Olynyk. Some guys were a whiff, James Young. You know, it, it would all depend. But you also <laughs> can't have all these guys as draft picks. And, like, Sam Presti's going to run into this. You can't just make your whole team all draft picks and keep doing that every year. At some point, you either got to consolidate them or pay some guys or sign and trade them elsewhere. That is one of the perils of tanking. Very discussed in a book written by one of us. No, I'm just kidding. Um no, to, yeah, well, to, what's, to, what's the slogan for Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson now? There you go. Um, no, to, to directly answer James' question as to, like, why it's not happening yet, what you said about the Knicks not wanting to give up too much, I mean, the phrasing that you've heard from the jump has been, well, the Knicks don't want to negotiate against themselves. And, like, the market – I mean, the market is what it is. There's the teams that want him, and there's the Knicks who have – Far and away, the biggest treasure trove of draft picks that they can ha- they can have, and you look at New York versus Miami or versus Washington even or Charlotte to a lesser degree. Those are all very different circumstances. But like, of all those teams, the Knicks are the ones perceptually amongst you know the NBA executive community that are facing the most pressure to go and get something done, right? So the Jazz know that. Everyone in the league knows that. And part of the Knicks' goal since the beginning of the Leon Rose tenure there has been to go and get stars, right? They were trying to get KD and Kyrie back in 2019. Everybody knows that. So I think clearly this has just been a staring contest since July about the Knicks having probably the most interest in Donovan, right? Having the most assets they can make, they can offer to go get Donovan. And then it's it just being an exercise of negotiation on both sides of trying to find uh, an offer that's not too rich for the, for the Knicks' blood, but rich enough for the Jazz. I have been saying, and I have said on this program, that it, it has felt like it's a, only a matter of if and not, uh, or a matter of when and not if this deal does get done um, because of everything of what I just said, the Knicks have the most, the Knicks covet him the most, they can offer the most. And it's just going to like, eventually I do think that the negotiations will ultimately be consummated. Like it just doesn't seem, it just seems, it seems like that's just the logical outcome that we will get to at some point. Will the deadline of training camp that's starting to be hinted at or maybe even behind the scenes is being direct? Like maybe the Jazz are going to tell people or you know, they already have. I don't know this yet. I was on vacation for two weeks. Maybe they're going to start directly saying like you either make us your best offer before training camp or we're keeping until the deadline. Like maybe that will actually juice this kind of like how the Harden deal way back when to Houston happened right before opening night. Um, um, but it's just the, the market has been, the board has been set. It's just kind of been 
and the negotiations from what I have heard throughout, throughout the beginning of the process has been similar to what happened in Minnesota where you know the wolves had to put certain picks into the deal and certain unprotections and whatever because they didn't put McDaniels in like depending on which prospects are are ultimately included or whether it's Fournier versus Derek Rose or whatever there's going to be little negotiation pivot points on every aspect of that deal as to what the Jazz are really valuing in terms of like high value assets so once they come once they come to an understanding like I, I still am expecting the deal to get done at some point between now and next February's trade deadline. Are, are you of the same mind before we get to uh, Chardol, if I pronounce that correctly? I would be I'd be surprised if both of these sides don't realize that they're the best fit for each other and and get this done at some point. I, I would be surprised. And I think Agreed. a lot of people around the league that you would talk to would say the same thing. Yep. Cool. All right. Shardal, if I'm, if, if I pronounce that incorrectly, please correct me. How you doing? Um, so how you guys doing today? We can't complain. What's going on your way? Uh, so, um, what are your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets on this whole messy situation with Kevin Durant and Sean Marks and Steve Nash? Um, do you think that they should get rid of Steve Nash and Sean Marks, or do you think that Sean, Steve Nash is not like it's not his problem that Kevin Durant's not, you know, melding well with Kyrie Irving and all the members of the Nets? I mean, they're not getting rid of Sean Marks and Steve Nash right now. Josiah already publicly came out and, and said that he has their back. So um, obviously, that was something that had to be discussed in the meeting with. Durant, Rich Kleiman, Mark, Snash, and, and Josiah and his wife. Um, so I, I, I think what now shifts to the season that you have to keep an eye on is, look, I don't care whether, you know, somebody calls for somebody's head or not. The bottom line is winning determines everything in this league. And if the Nets are winning, you know, 50 plus games this year, then I, I don't really see anything moving the needle there. Then, then you go to, okay, what happens in the playoffs? Cause if they get swept again, like they did, then chaos, like, you know what I mean? It's all like a sliding scale. And I, and we've I, already I, been at chaos. So I mean, like, yeah, I would, sure. We already saw it. Lightning, lightning will definitely strike twice. I mean, I just don't think people realize that that Joe Side has as much support for Steve Nash as he does for Sean Mark. So it's like, yeah, at, at a certain point, it's like, you know, clearly the billionaire owner was like, "Well, that's great. We're gonna we're gonna keep him." So, and you're under contract for four years, and you don't have a. a player option so you know they Sean Mark said it best I think after uh the end of the season media availability after they they lost to Boston he he was like you know mate we got to get the culture back to what it was and yeah that's it's clearly they're trying to do that so we'll that's, been a, that's, that's been a, a buzz phrase behind the scenes all summer too that Sean Marks is trying to get the culture back Sean Marks is trying to get the culture back and to your point, like, 
I said this on the show in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if we look up from 10 years from now and Sean Marks is one of the longest tenured GMs in the league. I think his footing is very, very, very strong. And I wouldn't be surprised if it got stronger throughout all of this. The Steve Nash part of it all, it was a big talking point in the playoffs last year. Um, Honestly, I, I wrote it then once they got swept from from the, the first round by Boston. I still believe this today. People around the situation and who have known Nash have said that they expect he would walk away before he ever got fired. I mean, the guy had a pretty sweet life before he took this job. You know, was doing the whole Canada men's basketball overseeing, had a really nice TV gig, analyzing soccer and whatnot. He's Steve Nash. He would have a lot of great opportunities and a very happy, easy life if he ever exited stage left. Um, No one's ever, ever, ever uttered a thought about Sean Marks not being the guy overseeing things with the Nets. And I think, um, you know, maybe – you, you can make the argument his reputation got perhaps a bit conflated building what they built there because expectations were just so low and they just were kind of in like a process, you know, rebuildy type spot. And it's pretty easy to turn a 20 win team into a 40 win team, right? Everyone talks about that around the NBA that it's, it's very easy to turn a loser into a borderline playoff contender. What's really hard is to turn a 50 win team into a, or, or turn a 40 win team into a 50 win team and a 50 win team into a 60 win team. But we kind of have seen them do every aspect of, of, of that uh, at this point in terms of building something that, that brought those players in free agency, at, at least captured their attention. They pulled off the Harden deal. Um, which you know you could say was a, an overpay or whatever, but I I would seem, do that really ten seem, out of ten. I yeah, do that. Doesn't, doesn't really seem like 10. it to me. Yeah, and even anybody. Wait, wait, Jake, real quick. One thing I gotta say on that because because I've heard that in like net spaces and all that. And, and, yeah, and I, I, I was in general, like devil's advocate. Like yeah. like Cat Hall, oh, but they could have had Karis Levert and, and and Jared Allen, and it's like, look, first of all. Jared Allen, Kenny Atkinson was banging the table to play Jared Allen, okay? And, and he proved to be right. But, yeah, Jared Allen became an all-star, and he he looks really good. Karis LeVert has continued to miss plenty of time. It's like when you have the opportunity – like, they, they saw what they were with, with those guys, with Durant and Irving. They weren't that great. They were, like, around 500. They get hardened, and the whole league is, like – respectfully shitting themselves. I mean, seriously, yeah. when, they, when they had the three of them, the, they had the they best the offense in NBA history, the preeminent favorites. Then Kyrie lands on Giannis's foot. Uh, Harden hurts his hamstring. You know, Durant steps a foot on the line. It, it's like everything that could have possibly went against this juggernaut happened. And yep. then the year after it's like, all right, they got him for a full season. You know, you can run it back and, and, and let's see. And then, you know, the COVID stuff, it, it just like unbelievable. But even ja- – like I asked Jared Allen this, and I wrote this on Hoopsite when he first went to Cleveland. I asked Jared Allen, what did you think? And he said, I would have did the trade too. 
Yeah. Jared Allen's not a dummy. The guy builds computers, folks. Like, seriously. <laughs> Literally builds I... computers. I think yeah. the guy would know, too. So, anybody that was always like, oh, man, you know, I don't know if I would do that deal. Just like there's some people, like, I, like that wondered, like, I've always heard this, too. Like, oh, well, should the Lakers have traded for, you know, Anthony Davis? They could have had Ingram. They could have had Lonzo. They could have Drew. They could have all these guys. It's like, yeah, because then you don't win. You need, like, a superstar. It's it's not <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. Just like, this is what the NBA is about, stars. Like The other thing, too, winning. I was going to say is that, and then with Harden's whole situation in February, I mean, the Nets were not in a position – of leverage there and they still got Ben Simmons and Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and multiple picks for him. Like Sean Marks has done a pretty decent job. I think objectively speaking, um, I think the one, and I've said this before here too, the one thing you can, and then we'll get to, uh, we'll get to Nick here. The one thing I think you can really critique the Nets under Sean Marks and their front office regime is that they gave too much credence and power to these two stars and, and, and James as well. But they're, they're trying to course correct that as we've discussed. Um, Nick, what's going on? Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Uh, hey, what's going on, Nick? So real quick, um, I'm a Celtics fan. Um, so we were involved. I was a little surprised we were involved in the KD thing. Um, but obviously now it's not happening. So, I mean, a lot of people, let's face it, a lot of people have speculated, you know, how is Jalen Brown going to react? And credit, for the most part, all we've heard from reports since then from guys like, you know, Jared Weiss, or I think I even saw like Taco Fall today talk about it. Like, you know, he loves Boston. They don't think it's going to be a big deal. I'm not asking if you guys like know for a fact, but, you know, you guys have covered the league for a long time. Do you guys think Jalen's going to take it like really personally that he was offered? Or do you think it's like not a big deal? Thanks, guys. I think I was actually just talking to someone about this um, right before we got on the the, the show here. Jalen Brown kind of taking a bit of a step back last year and kind of embracing being the number two to Jason Tatum is something that doesn't get discussed enough in terms of a factor in Boston's success last season. And the guy's pretty aware that this is Jason Tatum's team. And they have a pretty good relationship, by all accounts. I think, ultimately, business is business. And the Celtics are entering the season. Last I checked on my email from uh, Jimmy Shapiro uh, the other day, I think the Celtics are still the odds-on favorites to win the title this year. I think that's going to be the goal. And as long as they're winning, just like we keep talking about Brooklyn, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Where it could come up is when he's – a free agent and, and when contract negotiations uh, uh, end up uh, becoming, you know, a factor. But I, th- I, I, I think it could be similar to how, you know, the, the proverbial when, you know, Gordon Hayward uh, had to get an offer sheet from Charlotte back in 2014, like the second he became a free agent, like he remembered that with Utah. DeAndre Ayton's going to remember Phoenix's stuff. I'm sure Jalen Brown will remember that when he wants to get paid next, especially because he's on a value deal right now. But Mike, I don't know. Do you, do you have any dissenting takes? I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be fine. I'm not. 
well, first of all, with the caller who said like he was surprised, it's like, well, I'm not totally surprised. Like, Ime Udoka coached him with the Nets. He knows what he could do. You don't think like somewhere – like here, here's the bottom line. Is Kevin Durant better than Jalen Brown? Yes, he is. So I wasn't surprised. If you could try to make the team better and you put him in Tatum, that's scary. They also they also pitched him in 2016 and tanked trying to get him back in 2007, which is the same ownership group since then. So I I wasn't surprised. I think, um, you know, as far as his future goes, like Aaron Brown's like a max guy. I I I I, I just whether you know it's Boston or somebody else, somebody's gonna pay him it. So I you know. I think is it going to ruffle feathers? Depends how it was said behind the scenes. You know, I think Jalen and his camp didn't get the sense that it was going to be that close. So maybe feelings don't get ruffled as much. Um, that that's what I would say there on that. But I wasn't surprised Boston went after KD at all. No. All right, we're gonna to try to get to all these questions here. Uh, Zach, how we doing? Good, Jake. How you doing, Michael? Good to hear from you as well. Love hoops hype. Any, anyways, huge Heat fan here. I feel yeah. like we're always connected to the stars. Um, what do you do? I know, I know. What do you guys think? I mean, are we gonna just run it back? Because if we were gonna run it back, we would have signed Hero to an extension already. So it's just like one of the big question marks. Anything with Riley and whale hunting? Thank you, <laughs> you <got laughs> Zach. It. I like your. Like your dog uh, profile picture. Um, I think I, – I don't know why there needs to be, like, this incentive to sign Tyler Hero to an extension either. Like, let him play it out. Let him do it again. Let him do what he did last year again. Let him, you know, hold the carrot in front of him again, maybe. I, I would consider it, personally, unless you're going to get, like, a nice deal for him. Um, there could be – I don't know, a little team friendly or closer to 20 million than maybe more than that. Um, that's my stance. As far as like the whole whale hunting, it's like, well, uh, Tyler Hero and what is going to get you a whale? Are you going to get Fudgy the whale or are you getting, you know, the Beluga whale? That's the question. I And they weren't <laughs> getting Kevin Durant. So I don't know what They're kind not of whale Don we're Mitchell looking either. for. Huh? They're not getting Don Mitchell either. I, mean, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I you think, think, I think, think Tyler Hero's going from Miami and South Beach and, you know, uh, Katya, Lee Henry, and, and the Instagram model life to Utah. Like, I, well, I if know. he got traded, he wouldn't have had any say in that. But I don't, I don't believe him to be, and from, from my conversations with people around the league, doesn't really seem like he's, Tyler Hero has the, the the blue chip return he's not the Brandon Ingram of the Anthony Davis trade to make it more simple we lost Scotto um let's see if we can bring him back but to to his to his extension not having been done yet the overwhelming majority of rookie extensions happen in October so I I wouldn't read into I mean RJ Barrett's extension is not done yet either I like I I wouldn't I mean most aren't done. I, it's it's very rare that a, a rookie extension happens like Keldon Johnson's did. Um, I mean, DeAndre Hunter is not done. If you're not a max guy like Zion or Ja right off the jump, 
Um, most of those deals get done in October. So I wouldn't read into that not happening now. Um, Josh, what's going on? Hit that unmute button, Josh. Little microphone. <laughs> Josh, you there? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Oh, okay, thanks, man. Uh, hey, Jake, thanks for having me on here, man. Um, uh, uh, so I, I recently heard uh, that uh, uh, they asked five East Coast writers <laughs> about Kyrie getting traded. Uh, it was like the fact or fiction thing going on. And uh, from the people that I knew from there, it was like Tim Bontis and like Bobby Marks are one of those two guys were part of like the whole conversation and uh two of those writers i'm not sure who uh which writers were talking but uh they mentioned that um that that Kyrie was going to be uh staying with the nets and the other three ended up uh like saying that they can't see Kyrie staying due to like all the different complications that you could possibly imagine but uh my question is like uh do you, do you see Kyrie staying like uh before training camp with the yes. Nets. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, was a, I, that, that was my only question. So yeah. You got it. I mean if if it's a question of, of long term, I mean that's a whole different spiel. Um I will say, you know, I believe the Lakers trade with Patrick Beverly now an expiring deal will allow them to get up to 34 million in the cap space next year. Um, and I think that mutual interest is still there between Kyrie Irving and Los Angeles. Um, but that's a whole long way away from now, next summer's free agency. And like we've said a lot throughout this show, how, how things go in Brooklyn can this season and how much they win and how harmonious everything is uh, can really determine a lot between now and then. Yeah, let's get up Kyler, who's got uh, also a nice uh, dog profile picture. Before before we go to Kyler real quick, I just want to run through the comments briefly because um, we touched on the Lakers there for a second. Mike, do you have do you have any thoughts on a rush for Buddy or Miles Turner trade? Well, if they're going to put the two first-round picks in it, um, that would move the needle, certainly. And I think at this point, I don't really, you know, if you're not getting Kyrie Irving, I don't really know what else is out there for them other than, like, could you maybe try to get Charlotte to part with Gordon Hayward? Yeah, but at that point, I'd rather just get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and and let it fly. I think the draft pick compensation is, you know, it's almost like a first-round pick for Turner or a first-round pick for Heald, you know, uh, then you got to be like, all right, well, I got to pay Miles Turner now if I'm going to trade that pick for him. And, and what are you going to do with yep. Buddy Hield? So a lot of variables in that. But would that make the Lakers a better team? Yeah, I think so. How much better does it make them? I think that's the question. I don't know yeah. if the Lakers vault into like finals contender contention. I'm not sure about that. Like they've still got to figure some stuff out. I think Pat Beverly for them is is the type of guy they need in that locker room. I think him and Russell Westbrook together is like dynamite. So <laughs> I I can't see getting Pat Beverly 
and putting him in the locker room with, with Russ. Can you imagine Pat Beverly chewing out Russ for a missed defensive assignment? Well, also the history of Russ's injury and Pat diving at his knee and all that is uh No, yeah, I, I just don't you don't forget that. Like Yeah. Come on. Um, we got a question from the Philippines about if the Knicks get Mitchell, who are the free agents that will be targeted by them to fill their roster? I mean, the free agents that are out there are not many left. Um, I, I One thing I'll say, I have certainly heard that Carmelo's got interest in a reunion. I don't know if the Knicks have much interest there. Um, but that's like the one thing I can really provide that is – remote of remote interest uh i I don't i don't have much insight into what the ancillary Knicks free agent moves would be after that deal but a lot of it would be dependent on who goes out the door i mean they're probably going to have to send out at least three players to make the salaries work so it's going to be a much different Knicks roster if that deal gets done yeah i just you know it's almost like we're talking about like Timothy Mozgov in the Carmelo trade. It's like you worry exactly. about that later. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not sweating that. Um, Ice Trey, our resident Hawks fan, wants to know about the Hunter extension. I got nothing new from what I last wrote. Um, other than the sides were very far apart. I can't imagine they've gotten much closer. Maybe they have. I, I, I don't have any more insight into that. Scott, or do you? No, it's pretty much status quo, I think. Hunter's got to show he could be healthy first. Exactly. All right, Kyler, thank you for being patient. Love the dog. It's a a Newfoundland still. Um, I have two questions. If you don't mind, if you have time, could I ask the first question? Have you guys answer it, and then I I ask the second one? Let's do it. So I'm a Jazz fan, and it's obvious that Mitchell's going to want to go to the Nets, Knicks, or Miami. If the Jazz don't trade him, it's logical to think that they could at least get the same offer next summer from the Knicks because he would resign there, right? I don't know yeah. about the exact same offer. It's like you – and the reason I say that is because you're losing a year of service from a guy on the contract, and he's got a player option. So I don't know if it would be exactly the same. I personally think you'd have to drop the pick compensation at least by one first-round pick. That's my belief. I think they'd still be able to get roughly the same amount. Though. If you're dropping from five picks to four, I mean, that's a pretty rich return still. No, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I, I would still take one off. And, yeah. you know, if you want to do this whole measuring contest of, oh, well, we got, you know, just as much for Donovan Mitchell as Rudy Gobert, I think it matters. So, yeah. Um, I don't know what the value would be in waiting, though, to, to, to go off Mike's. Like, if, if, You've got an offer on the table from the Knicks that you think you would take next summer. Why wouldn't you take it now? And um, you're not going to tank efficiently with Donovan Mitchell. Sorry. Not happening. What's your second question, sir? Well, first, I, I would like to respectfully push back on that they couldn't tank with Donovan. I mean, we just saw the, the Blazers <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, yeah, but what was the difference there was Damian Lillard was surgery. out for most of the year. You're going to get I mean, Donovan SGA in- as well. Yeah, but, like, brother, then, okay, so if Donovan Mitchell gets hurt, it's going to hurt his trade value. Like, let's not overthink this. Move him. No, like, I, I, I completely I, I agree and I want the trade to get done. But if the offer is only two unprotected picks and a young player in salary. It's definitely fit, not that. Okay. 
well, I, that, then my last question will be, what do you think it is and what gets it done? But my other thing that I was going to say is the Jazz don't get stars. That's been pointed out. You can't lower your trade bar just to get it done if there's a possibility that you could get more from, say, the Heat next year because you're not going to get another star that has this much value. So what is the trade that's on the table right now that you think or what trade gets it done? And that's my question. So thank you, guys. I think if the Knicks were to put six picks and at least one attractive young player on the board, the deal would be done. Mike? How? That's very important. That's all. Yeah, but, like, that's a lot, man. It's a lot. Like, I'm but not. That's, but, that's like, the benchmark that, but that's the benchmark I've basically been told that, like, roughly that Utah's trying to get to. Man, like, okay, but Obi Toppin in the Knicks' eyes is definitely worth the first. I'm sure they yeah. kind of value Quentin Grimes that way. So, yeah, it depends on, like, which guys are going back. But Utah definitely does not seem to be inclined to take Julius Randle. You know, Fournier has multiple years on his deal. I don't get the sense that ideally they would like to take him. I know people touched on – and I touched on this in a podcast with Tony Fisher. Um, you, uh, excuse me, Tony uh, Jones. I, was, um, I thought that's what you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like with Tony, with, uh, I'm getting my podcast mixed up, um, with Tony Jones and, and, and Tony and I both agreed that they don't really, even though Ainge traded for 48 when he's with the Celtics, this is a completely different situation. Um, so the jazz want, the jazz want young players picks and any salary they come back, they want as little years on it as possible. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I just, I, I just don't see. I think six is just a lot for the Knicks. If they if they were going to do that, man, they would have to have so many protections. It is, which is why we're 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 in the holding pattern that we're at. The question Kyler asked was, "What's going to get it done?" I didn't say that's what the Knicks were going to do, but 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 but, but 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 it's got to be it's got to be what's going to get it done for both sides. To me, yes, yeah. Well, he he asked what 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 are the what are the Jazz what are the Jazz holding out for basically? Okay. So, yeah. Shardall um, back for round two. Shardall, what's going on? So um, I'm saying that head coach Steve Nash will get fired immediately if the Brooklyn Nets don't get off to a hot start in the 2020 to 2022 to 2023 season. And secondly, do you guys think that Mark Jackson could be a good replacement for Nash? And he would be a good perfect choice because he's a great leader. He knows the ins and outs of the game. And he's he has way more coaching experience than Nash. And he would he would meld well with the team in Brooklyn. It sounds like Charles Dahl is making the case for uh, Mark Jackson. Um, yeah. That, personal. That, yeah. Um, I mean, if your opinion is that Nash will get fired if they start slow, that's that's your opinion. Um, Mark Jackson, I do not believe, would be at the top of Brooklyn's list of replacements. I'll say that. Um, yeah, I don't As far as Mark goes, mm. I mean, first of all, you'd have to bring in somebody. First of all, internally, you'd have Jock Vaughn as an associate head coach who would probably take over for a bit. And then you have to figure out you're rolling with him or are you going outside the box? Jock has a good relationship with Kyrie Irving as far as I know. I'm not as sure with Durant. That's not to say one way or the other. I just don't know. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. All right, we got a question from the Knicks themselves. 
There you go, Nick. Hit that uh, microphone button so you can speak Nick's your mind. Nick's fan 88, you're there? You're on mute. Uh, we're going once. Right. Going twice. Sold. All right, Next. we're going to Vinit. Sorry, we got we to gotta keep this. Tom's going to be our last question we get to unless Nick's fan can come back. Vinit, what's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going. Doing well. Fire away, my guy. Um, I know you guys touched on the Lakers a little earlier, and I'm sorry to bother you again about this. We're but... not bothering. We're good. <laughs> okay, cool. I know we recently did the Pat Beverly trade. Do you guys think that closes the window on a potential, you know, three-team trade with the Knicks, the Jazz, and the Lakers, and maybe we'll get, you know, Bogdanovich back, Beasley, maybe some other pieces? Or do you think we're really focusing on the Pacers deal or maybe even bringing Russ back? Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, Vinit, I can, I'll I'll speak on that. I mean, I reported on Hoopset about the three team talks. Pat Beverly was part of the three team talks. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Pat Bev was always going to go to the Lakers, even if they were in the three team talks with the Knicks and the Jazz. Anyway, um, Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson is the pieces. Um, I didn't know. I, I didn't hear like New York was trying to get uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. If anything, they were focused on Donovan Mitchell. So I think you could still like theoretically make something happen with those teams, but I don't know how much of the incentive is there. I think more so it comes down to Los Angeles's preference on Miles Turner and, and Buddy Heald, and also whether. Danny Ainge, a longtime Celtic, really wants to help out the Lakers in any capacity whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember asking Minnesota people in summer league, like, for intel on who was interested in the players that the Wolves had sent to the Jazz, and the loudest thing was the Lakers like Pat Beverly. Um, that 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 was a that was a piece of intel out there pretty strongly, um, and uh, yeah, Matthew, then Tom, and then we got to call it. I'm sorry to everybody else. Uh, hey guys, you hear me? Yeah, what's up, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. Hey Jake and, uh, and Mike, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I enjoy your book, um, Both to Lose, Jake and Mike. Thank I like you it, so uh, much. Yeah, website, um, hoop site. Um, I just had a question on the Donovan Mitchell to the Nets. I heard that there's rumors that Mitchell to Brooklyn is one of his preferred uh, mm-hmm. teams. Could there be a way that – because I know Simmons and Mitchell can't be on the same team. Well, you're, um, you're, you're getting there. Yeah, constructing NBA rules. Um, could there be a way that Mitchell, that they could trade Simmons and get Mitchell? I mean, is that yeah, the next trade, thing? Yeah, you trade, theoretically, you could trade Simmons to Utah, but, I mean, I don't know what Danny Ainge's appetite for that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it would take, I mean, the Jazz, that, that deal would have to be dependent on the Jazz really liking Ben Simmons. Um, and I, I do know this. The Nets would then be at a pretty – defensive deficiency with Kyrie and Donovan and a, and a, a backcourt pairing, they would, I, I think I, I'm not so certain that the Nets would value Donovan in that position over Ben. Honestly, I, I don't know if, especially the jazz, they'd have to give up a lot more. 
um, it's not just Ben Simmons for Dom and straight up. Ben Simmons hasn't played in the NBA in a year. They have to put in a lot more to, to compete for what the Knicks package would be, right? Um, so I, I just – just my personal reading of the situation, I, I think – uh, the price for Donovan would be far too rich for the Nets' blood. Um, Tom, our last question. What's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? Can't complain. Hey, Jake, how go, are you? Go, go Birds. Go Birds, Tom. September 11th, around the corner. Very weird. That's very right. weird to be talking about that as a celebratory day. But can't wait for week one. What's going on? Oh, me too. Who do you think is the biggest competitor to the Knicks in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes? That's that's interesting. Mike, you got any thoughts on that? I mean, the funny answer would be the Oklahoma City Thunder, but it's not realistic. <laughs> I, I just don't – I really don't see it. I don't. It's, it's, it's hard to. I mean, like – you got to talk yourself into Rui Hachimura, Corey Kispert, you know, whatever from Washington, Charlotte. You got to talk yourself into their young guys they have there. I mean, I guess in theory, the biggest competitor would be the Heat, would be a Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, two picks. Stop it. But that doesn't come close. It doesn't come close. Stop it. It does not. Yeah. Um, I know you got to run, Mike, but anything else you want to say, anything you want to plug, anything you want to ask me? I asked you a lot of questions. It's only fair to give you the opportunity. Oh, you're funny. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, I would say, first of all, always a pleasure to join you. If for those listening, you want to follow my work, Twitter at Mike A. Scotto, M-I-K-E-A Scotto, S-C-O-T-T-O. You can check out the Hoops High podcast. Uh, with guest appearances from players, coaches, NBA executives, and other writers um, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And um, I have some stuff coming out next week. Uh, I'll do a Lakers pod with uh, Yovan Buha and, from The Athletic, my guy. And um, probably be doing a little bit of a, a 2023 aggregate mock draft because it's never too early to look at uh the new prospects coming in just ask the oklahoma city thunder given what (laughs) happened to chet holmgren so uh, you know i would say that as far as questions for you um hmm. i don't know what are you doing now for the rest of the month and before like training camp there you go um i am going to be doing at least one call in every week so stay tuned here and i got some some projects some non-mba projects that i'm trying to finish up uh before the season starts and we'll be enjoying the downtime man that's pretty much it love to see it yeah thank you for joining me really appreciate you giving me the time and uh keep doing your thing man i'll be reading you i know everyone here will be as well and we'll be back on calling, like I said, sometime next week. Not sure on who the guests will be, but they probably won't be able to hold a candle to Michael Scotto. So thank you, man. Appreciate it. Later. Later, guys. Have a good weekend.